Welcome back to Morning Trade Live. U.S. stock futures are lower, but fairly calm considering the shock from the Bank of Japan widening out that yield curve control. Jeff Kleintop joins us, Chief Global Investment Strategist at Charles Schwab. How big of a surprise was this move by the BOJ, Jeff? This was a, a, a pretty surprising move, I think, to the markets. Although I've got to say, uh, Michelle Gibley, a great strategist on the global team here, who you had on the sh on the closer, uh, I think a week ago or so, she yeah. was making the case that that Japan was going to abandon its yield curve control policy and that we should put it in our top five risks for the year next year. And I said, I don't know. <laughs> and sure enough, uh, one day later, uh, it happened. So yeah, a bit of a surprise. But here's the thing. Um, it could lead to more surprises. Japan has been the holdout in not wanting to raise rates, uh, really sticking to its very aggressive policy that it began, gosh, I go, I go all the way back to 1999 when they started zero interest rates. So it's been with them a long time. There could be a rate hike coming next year. This may be the first of many steps towards tightening policy. Inflation hit a 40-year high in Japan last month, and they're beginning to feel the effects of that. Well, I guess maybe uh, somewhat uh, biological proxy, it might have made the top global risks of 2023 because number two that you have listed are that central banks over tighten. Uh, your guys' uh, global risks, China's reopening, central banks over tighten, Ukraine war broadens, mortgage shock, and European energy crisis. Uh, so uh, it seems like uh, the uh, international side of the equation going into next year uh, is a lot more the same uh, with maybe the exception of uh, China's reopening, which is kind of a, a newer concept. And now maybe the Bank of Japan joining in from an interest rate perspective is a little bit of a surprise. How connected to they are, uh, China, Jeff? How uh, uh, economically connected uh, are Japan and China? Or if China is reopening and there's a lot of economic strength emanating from that region, does that embolden Japan's central bank? Uh, they are economically connected for sure, right? There are a lot of exports from Japan go to China, particularly uh, infrastructure-related earth-moving equipment from uh, big companies like Hitachi and uh, so many others. And so, yeah, I mean, there's certainly a lot of electronics and other industrial machinery that sells right into China. So as it reopens, you can certainly see uh, more pressure on uh, upward, upward pressure in terms of uh, economic activity within Japan that could further lift inflation. So, yeah, there's, there's a, another risk there, and that may be one of the reasons why they're moving in that direction. But it's it's beyond just this relationship between China and, and, and Japan. It's interesting that Japan is seeing more inflation and maybe they'll do something. But here's why it matters. The yen is the largest funding currency in the world. And Japanese investors are the biggest non-US holders of US treasuries and stocks. A stronger yen and higher JGB rates might bring money back to Japan from the rest of the world as mm. investors unwind trades. And that could result in selling of assets in non-Japanese markets, causing stocks to sell off, bond yields to rise, and non-yen currencies to fall. Much of that focused on the U.S., given our relationship with yen, uh, with uh, with Japan as uh, as you know, as basically a, a borrower. Mm. I'm thinking about that Blackstone fund uh, that uh, they said was basically international sellers, uh, the BREIT, uh, that uh, uh, definitely had some Japanese connections when they said that international sellers were due to the extreme outflows that they had to tourniquet uh, from Blackstone. So to your point, seems like uh, we've got a few pieces of evidence adding up here uh, that uh, we might be seeing some uh, pricing pressure coming from the Japanese investor. We've got rates up this morning, bonds selling off pretty hard. 
uh, and the dollar down. So uh, would it uh, then reason that maybe we could get a little bit of break in that uh, correlation, Jeff? Because uh, we're, we're trying to keep track of how everything is changing here, and it seems like that could be a big one, where if other central banks start to surprise, uh, our dollar could slip, but maybe our yields just keep climbing. What do you think? Yeah, well, that, it's a possibility. It's certainly one of the big risks for next year. I mean, I think the market is still attached to this notion that uh, central banks are going to be be able to pause early next year and that maybe we'll see some stability in, in currencies after the big moves we saw this year and, and some stability in rates. I, I think there are a number of risks, and that is one of them. China reopening, bringing inflation back to the rest of the world, a resurgence in inflation in commodities as goods as they reopen. Right now, that reopening is somewhat chaotic. But if it moves in, in a direction that suggests that consumer demand is really picking up rapidly, and, and there's mixed evidence so far, I'd say in the first couple of weeks of reopening, we definitely saw a big uptick in traffic, subway traffic, people moving around China, more economic activity. That's taken a bit of a slump here as you know hospital hospitalizations have climbed and, and there have been some concerns. So this is you know two steps forward, one step back. We'll have to see the path. But if it moves in, in a more rapid reopening direction, that could mean more inflation. And that's why it's my number one risk for next year, because it really upsets a lot of these relationships that were uh, forming here at the in the fourth quarter that led to this rally, that led to the reversal in, in, in uh, uh, currencies and, and rates and, and the stock market. But if we do see a resurgence in inflation tied to that reopening, it could bring us back to the tougher markets we saw in the first half or the first two, first three quarters of, of this past year. The chart you're looking at right now that uh, pertains to that China reopen risk is household deposits next to the mortgage rate. What does this tell you? Yeah, well, there's so much pent-up demand, right? Not only have you had a consumer that's been shut in for a year, their their income, they've had jobs, so their incomes have gone up, which meaning their, their bank deposits are, are up, so they've got a lot of pent-up savings. And at the same time, it's one of the few places in the entire world that's actually seen mortgage rates come down. So they have the fuel to power this spending that's been pent up, and that's why I think 1.4 billion consumers in China could really unleash a, a new wave of inflation, something we've got to keep a close eye on. Okay. All right, now, uh, Jeff, uh, so the China situation seems to be gathering some steam here, and it looks like, uh, judging by the chart, there is just a, a big gap waiting to kind of get closed, uh, where you can see a rebound and uh, some strength. Now, uh, the Chinese central bank, uh, the PBOC, how do they factor into this? Will they uh, hinder that recovery at all, or have they already demonstrated that they're in no rush to start tightening things? Yeah, there you go. They, they don't seem to be, they seem to be focused on making sure they can get enough capital to small businesses. They're actually turning the juice on. They want to get their economy going again. It, 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 economic growth has been below what policymakers would like to see in Japan, or in China this year. And they're trying to get that moving again. So they're trying to get loans to key businesses, particularly small businesses, but also important ones like semiconductors and AI and green technologies, areas that Japan wants to lead. And they're, they're, uh, they're really trying to encourage lending into those industries. We know there's tremendous demand for those right now, given the energy constraints around the world tied to Russia and many other things going on. So yeah, I, I think, uh, well, I don't think they will tap down very quickly on this resurgence in demand. And that's why I think it might have some legs. Okay. Uh, Jeff, uh, the uh, uh, other uh, potential uh, mortgage and interest rate related situation uh, is a mortgage shock. Uh, before we let you go, tell us what you mean by that. 
Yeah, real quickly, we all know mortgage rates have risen pretty dramatically around the world. Well, in some countries, that's more of a risk than others. There are many countries that have a lot of fixed rate mortgages. You can see them towards the bottom of this chart. Uh, they are less at risk of, of this rise in one year or even up to five-year arm rates. Uh, but if you take a look at uh, that red section, these are countries that not only have a high, a, a large amount of mortgages, uh, meaning many homeowners do have mortgages, but they're adjustable rate. This is Norway. And you can see New Zealand, the UK. These are areas where I'd expect more of a mortgage shock, negatively impacting consumer spending. That's going to be a risk going into this year as many mortgages reset to much higher rates. All right. Great stuff, uh, Mr. Kleintop. Uh, great to have you here this morning. Appreciate the walkthrough and the explanation. Thanks, great to see you. Jeff is the Chief Global Investment Strategist at Charles Schwab.